guys, this is Nick. In the name of the FC Schalke Nofia team, I want to congratulate you on your 100th episode. Thanks for supporting us in the U.S., and hopefully there will be many more episodes of your podcast in the future. Glück auf! Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute. Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast worldwide. This is episode 107 of Schalke America, and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Joining me on the show, as always, is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Uh, doing well. Love the hat, Richard, by the thank way. You, thank you. Thank you. got me outclassed in the hat game tonight. Courtesy of uh, Hammer und Schlagel. Uh, make sure you go get him. Uh, great work by these guys. I love the hat. You see uh, Stambouli and some of the other people wearing them, these hats. But uh, gotta love it, man. I love it. Little GE down here. Look at that. You can never have too much Schalke gear, man. I, I, I got to step it up on my end. You're always right. I mean, you got some stuff in the background of your shot right now. The, you have the whole setup, man. I do a little bit, huh? A little bit, huh? <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. It's not your uh, It's not your primary setup, is it now? So That's true. That's true. <laughs> Can't have it all, I guess, right? So, uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, it's an interesting matchup that we had this weekend and some big games for us coming up on the horizon. Uh, but let's start off on a little bit of a good note here. Um, it is the Christmas season here, and uh, everyone's putting out their advent calendars. Of course, our, our good friends at Hauptfeld uh, Flanke uh, are putting out their uh, daily uh, their advent calendar, if you will, of the, of the most favorite players of all Shaka fans uh, around. And so definitely check it out. I think they're up to like day nine now or something like that. So uh, keep an eye out on that. You may see one of us uh, pop up on that. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, certainly a way to uh, check up on some of the favorite fans, favorite, favorite players of some of the people. We've had some uh, people uh, – some names that you expect, like Klaus Fischer, and then other names like uh, Horse Health and some other ones that you're not expecting. So it's really good stuff. Uh, maybe we'll see Michelle Langer. Who knows? It's, we still got time, right? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess we should just get into this game, uh, Jack. Uh, interesting one. Uh, obviously, a game that we weren't uh, we're playing against. Uh, you know, second place Bayer Leverkusen, or after the game, they end up being in second place. Uh, we had this uh, run of playing. We played every team in the top seven so far in the league. Uh, it, we knew it was going to be a gauntlet to start the season, and it was, but it seemed to continue on up until this point. We've played every heavy hitter so far in the league, Jack. It's not been easy. We've not been kind for Schalke. Yeah, I mean, we definitely the, – uh, the, the the first half of our schedule here was definitely front-loaded with with some pretty good talent. This this next running games uh, leading up to the Winter Pauser is going to be an, an opportunity for us to play some people that are closer to where we are in the table at the moment. Um, and, and hopefully that has some sort of effect on our ability to to get points. But yeah, just every time you're hoping that we can start, you know, looking at the team turning a corner, uh, you know, you see an opponent like Leverkusen on the schedule and then you, you know, you have to ask yourself how realistic it is that that's going to take place. Um, we may yeah. see something like that and unfortunately didn't come our way uh, this no. week as, as we would have expected. So, no, and it's not, you know, uh, Leverkusen has surprised many this season because they've been uh, usually they're pretty Jekyll and Hyde, but this year they've been fairly consistent as it shows. Obviously, they're second in the table. Uh, their starting lineup in this one, they came out with a 4 3 3. Radeski, who's been a pretty amazing goalkeeper, uh, started in goal. You had a back four of Bender, Ta, Dragovic, and Sinkraven. Uh, midfield, you had Verts, uh, Baumgartlinger, and uh, Amiri. And then up top, you had Bailey, Diaby, all led by Patrick Schick. 
uh, fairly standard lineup. Uh, they had some guys missing, like Delarabi, who uh, I think was tested positive for COVID, like Katuchu. Uh, but overall, I mean, um, strong lineup. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially uh, the combination of Diaby and, and Bailey on opposite wings. Uh, we seem to see Schalke really struggle. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways in which we're struggling defensively, but particularly when teams start getting wide on us and running yeah. it off the shoulder. Uh, we've seen that a lot. And so I was kind of concerned coming into this game that, you know, with some of the players they have, that, that would be very much more of the same. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of concern, uh, you know, seeing the starting lineup, um, obviously seeing Michel Langer and goal, we, many people are worried about him uh, not knowing too much because we haven't seen much of him, uh, not in 13 years. Uh, but uh, obviously he was in goal for a re- good reason. Fairman's injured. Renov is injured. Um, Schubert's on, on loan. So we don't have anybody. And so who else? He has to be the one who fills his spot. Um, I think when I saw this lineup, initially I didn't have any questions. I thought it was a pretty standard lineup, but the questions started growing in my head as the game went on. We can get to that, but the starting lineup came out uh, in a 4-2-3-1, at least how I saw it. Uh, Malik Tiao was the right back. Ozan Kabak and Stambouli as your center backs. Bastian Ochuka as your left back. You had a uh, double pivot of Omar Mascarell and Suat Serdar, a front th- a front trio of attacking players of uh, Skripski, Bujaleb, and Benito Rahman, and then all led up top by uh, Mark Ut, um, what'd you make uh, of the lineup? Fairly standard for the most part. We saw some sh- shuffling around, but uh, overall standard. Yeah, it seemed to be the same kind of shape uh, that we played last week. Uh, yeah. You could call it a four-two-three-one. Uh, it was sometimes when Bujaleb's dropping back a little bit. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's like a four-two-two-two. Yeah, um, if both of them are high. So, uh, yeah, I mean, once again, you're seeing Benito Raman and and, and Skripski, which. We, 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 I've kind of supported over the past couple episodes just from a like a work rate perspective, um, feeling that those guys are you know going to be industrious and, and really buy in for a full ninety minute shift, which is kind of what we needed um, based on some of the things we were seeing. Um, un- unfortunately, I, I think that both players, and in particular Benito Raman, really struggled in this game and were quite poor. Um, with once again Markut being kind of a bright spot um, and at the center of a lot of the things that we, that we did well. Um, as far as the, the back four goes, uh, not for the first time this season, we've seen Malik Chow now kind of go into a left or right back position. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Killian Ludwig um, getting, I'm assuming he's not injured, right? And nothing like that. It was just a, no, I saw, I saw him there warming up. So he, I, yeah, I would imagine it's just that he had played basically every game up until this point. And, you yeah. know, he's a young kid. So it's a lot of, lot, that's a lot of match minute strain for him. Um, yeah, we had seen Malik Chow come in on the left side. Now we're seeing him coming on the right side. Um, still still kind of interesting that you wouldn't try to throw Hamza Mendel on the pitch um, rather than – like wouldn't you rather see Malik Chow at like center back instead of Stambouli with like Hamza Mendel? Like, I mean, I'm sure he could play right back if he had to with, yeah. you know, opposite Ochipka. Uh, we did ultimately see Hamza Mendel in this game. I think that's the first time this season. Um, but I, I was a little bit curious that we haven't seen him in the starting lineup yet, especially in situations like this where we're playing, you know, players – somewhat out of position to, to cover those those areas on the field. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was reading the comments by uh, Joseph saying, uh, he beat Gladbach in FIFA with Schalke on 90-minute winner, 7-6. to six. That's a shootout. Was that a basketball game there? Uh, pretty high scoring there. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting. And I, I definitely would have had uh, Malik Tiao probably starting at center back over Stambouli. We've seen it, how inconsistent he's been or poor. We've seen him this season so far. Um, and, yeah, Hamza Mindel, we did see him in this game. We'll get more into him because I think uh, many are wondering – Let's see what he can do at least, right? We saw a little bit of him, you know, a few minutes of him. Um, promising things, I think I saw compared to Chipka. We can get to that. But, uh, yeah, overall, it was an okay lineup. 
Um, obviously, to see Tiao as a right back, uh, it shows the flexibility he has. He can, he's obviously a center back, but he can play the left side or right side. Probably can play in the midfield too. So, um, as many people are dubbing him, you know, Joel Matip 2.0, but uh, not too much pressure on the kid. Let's just uh, let's just work him in there and, and get him used to the, the the way things are going here. But uh, I thought the first half was very much worse than the second half. Um, you know, we so we saw the lineups that came out there. Uh, things started out positive for us. I think something in the first, you know, five six minutes. Uh, Roman he tried to find Uthon like a two on one. Uh, Dragovic ended up blocking the pass, and this seemed to be a theme with Roman. He kept he was kept popping up in good spots, and every time he cut a square pass, either yeah. Bujaleb or Uth, he could never find that pass. And you hear the commentator uh, kept saying, Steve McKenna kept saying, "This is a pass he should be making majority of the time, and he's not." Um, and I don't know what it was, but uh, he they they blew a golden opportunity early on in that game. And, and that's what I was referencing when I called out Benito Raman earlier. Is, is, is exactly that kind of thing? I, I think off the top of my head, I can I can picture at least four different scenarios where where he picks up the ball, usually more on the left hand side of the box, yeah. has one sometimes two runners making parallel runs, and and just his inability to to uh, get it around you know the, the first foot of the defender, and, and you know gives one of his teammates a chance yeah. to make something happen. Uh, yeah, w- w- as you as you said, was was a theme in this match, and. Um, I mean, I, I'm not trying to claim that we had some sort of fantastic offensive game, but um, when you look at the number of times we got into a position where, you know, a single pass across the box, you know, slotted over to one of your teammates could have resulted in actually a relatively high XG opportunity. Um, you know, this could have actually come and looked a little bit different at the end of it. Uh, so, yeah, that was it was it was frustrating. I mean, I, and I, I feel for for Mark Ute and all the other people that are that are consistently making these runs. And then just just not seeing it. I thought I thought Siwat Serdar actually as well was a little bit selfish at times in this match, um, consistently trying to pull up for himself and not looking across the box to some of his teammates. Um, you know, it, it's yeah. it, it's it's one thing if if you know people aren't making those runs because they're just not bought in and they're not trying. But some of the, I mean, you're seeing guys like Skripsky show up in, in some of these areas, and there just seems to be maybe even like a lack of trust at times between some of the guys. Obviously, I mean, Benito Raman was trying to play the passes, but I think at other times there, there's there's times people being a little bit too uh, selfish. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just, you know, the team. They're like, if I don't get it off, no one's going to get it off. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That. I can see that. Uh, you mentioned Skripsky. Uh, early on, uh, at least in the first, you know, handful of minutes, uh, he was doing a lot of good defensive pressure. I know he won the ball back by, playing, by good back checking. Uh, and I was hoping that would be a good sign for the game. I mean, the first 10 minutes or so were fairly open, I thought, which is never a good thing with a team that's as powerful as as uh, Bayer Leverkusen. And boy, did they, they started turning it on. And, and really, I think the turning point was in that 10th minute. Um, they ended up getting a corner kick. Uh, own goal by Malik Tiao. Uh, Dragovic looked to foul Tiao on the play. And I'm curious what your, what your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, well, let's get right into your thoughts. What, what do you what do you think about? It? Did you think it was a foul on Dragovic? Uh, what did you make of that play overall? Um, you talking about you talking about the own goal? Own goal, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't think there was a lot in it. I mean, there there's contact. There, there's some hands on each other. Um, it's definitely a play when when you see the replay, like you're looking like you want it to be something because yeah. you're you're hoping that something gets called back. And every time I watched, I'm like, yeah. it just. It, it didn't seem like the contact really caused him to lose balance that much and, and, and misplace his header or whatever. I just, I just didn't see a foul as much as I would like to. I think, I think Malik Chownish needs to be maybe a little bit stronger and um, you know, hold him off a little bit better. It's just kind of one of those unfortunate things. It's the kind of thing that happens when you're, you know, in the, in the table position we are right now. I think it's a theme in, in this game that the younger players need to be a little bit stronger on the ball or when the, when the, when they're going 50, 50 chance. Uh, yeah. You know, initially I, when I first saw him, I'm like that's, that's a foul on Dragovic, no doubt about it. And you start watching replay more and more and you're like, 
uh, I mean, there, he was on him, but I don't think he like initially there's a push, but then he kind of let go of it. And Milik Tia is trying to make a, a meal out of it and trying to get a draw a foul, you know. Um, and I think when he went for the header, he misread that header and just banged it perfectly into the net as opposed to going wide. And as much as I wanted it to be a foul, I don't think it ended up being a foul. I know many, I, I, I saw many people on Shaka Twitter were saying, yeah, that's a foul. Why isn't the call? And I'm like, in the heat of the moment, yeah, I agree, I agree with everybody. But the more you watch it, you're more like, you're like, uh, that's a stretch, I think. Yeah, the way, the way I try to judge some of these things sometimes, or at least I think it's helpful to view it this way, is, you know, imagine if you were a Leverkusen supporter. Would you be upset if that had gotten overturned for that contact? And I think watching that, I probably would have been upset that that would have gotten overturned. I don't think there's enough there. And so for me, it's like, then, you know, do I really need to yell at the ref and say, I mean, it's, it's a mistake. Uh, I, I think you make a good point, though, about some of these younger players needing to be maybe a little bit stronger at times, because I think we saw that from Matthew Hoppe potentially later in the match um, for Leverkusen. Second was a similar kind of situation. Um, and and these, are, these are just one. And we say it all the time, but too easy. Yeah. Too easy. I mean, Leverkusen's third goal is, uh, I mean, which we'll get to, is, is more of just kind of somebody falling asleep. And, but like, you know, the first two are just kind of set piece, like yeah. not, not the kind of goals you want to be conceding a team as offensively good as Leverkusen anyway. Those aren't the cheap ones that you want to give them the opportunities on. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And I think uh, one person who probably disagree with you strongly, Mark Oot, uh, he ended up picking up a yellow on the play for his protestation uh, of the goal uh, and why it wasn't a foul. So, yeah, I mean. Which I'm fine with, by the way. I, I want am too. Yeah, I mean, like, talk to the referee as much as you need to, and I and I want a leader like Marku to be sticking up for his guys and and advocating, even if I disagree with like you know his his you know perception of what took place. Yeah, I love that. 100%. Yeah, he's one of the few players. He's even talked about how there was no really leadership on the pitch, and he's become one of the leaders all of a sudden. You know, because out of necessity, really, because a lot of people are being quiet, and not saying anything. So he's the one kind of stepping up in all this, and you see him get a lot of these kind of fouls now, and I'm and I'm fine with that too as well. Um, unfortunately, that goal was uh, the first goal conceded by uh, Michel Langer in 13 years. His streak is over, Jack. Uh, unfortunately, his shutout is not going to continue. But, uh, you know, it wasn't really his fault. I, I don't think on that. Well, I know it's not his fault in that play. It was a great header by Malik Tiao. Hopefully he can do that on the other end and in the future. But um, what we saw from Michel Langer in this game was he played pretty well. He started off a little, little, little worrisome. Uh, I think there's one play early on where uh, he made a save and really – he. he it was an unnecessary corner kick he gave up in one play, but he's getting strong as strong as the game yeah. went on, I thought. I know. I think I know which one you're referencing. Yeah, there were some moments where I think you saw a keeper who was lacking a little bit of composure, probably from some nerves. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think this is once again, this isn't this is a situation where like this is not a player that I'm interested in criticizing. No. If if it had been it, it wasn't that bad of a performance or anything like that. I think he did I think he did well. Um, you know, but a, but a guy that just doesn't get that many opportunities and is just perpetually kind of waiting around. Um, I mean, not a whole lot that you can expect. And honestly, I'm just kind of happy for him personally that he that he got the opportunity in the first place. Cause you know, you look at some of these guys that are, you know, they're in the training sessions like every day, putting in the exact same work that yeah. a lot of the other guys are. And you know, they, they never get any match time on the field. So, um, but yeah, you know, you, you appreciate a guy stepping up and, and sliding in and trying to do a job for us uh, when, when there's an issue with the injury depletion right now. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I, I don't think anyone can fault him for anything. Any way he played in this game. Um, what we did see after that own goal is that uh, Leverkusen really smelled blood and they were going for it. Uh, it was constant pressure pretty much for the next, you know, 10 minutes or so, um, really for the, for the whole game. But, you know, the, the 10 minutes in particular, they were very strong. Uh, Patrick Schick, he had a great opportunity to make it 2 nothing. missed a, a tap-in from, like, the two-yard line. I don't know how he misses that in the 14th minute. Um, but I know through the first quarter hour or so, Schalke had no shots on goal. It was, like, something like 7 to nothing in shots, 8 to nothing in shots that first quarter hour. 
what I did notice, though, from a tactical standpoint is we were not putting any pressure on Bayer Leverkusen in the first in, the, in their own half of the pitcher. Let them bring up, bring it up. And then once they got into our zone, we started pressing, but we we're only pressing the ball carry. We weren't pressing as a team. And I, I thought that was a recipe for disaster, Jack. I don't know how you felt or if you saw any of that uh, with the with the pressure or the lack thereof by the team. Yeah, a little bit. I thought it was interesting. It was like it, once they got into our half and then you started seeing the pressure then, it was almost creating too much space between the lines. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, which was opening yeah. up some easy passing opportunities in behind. It was it was sort of strange. Usually, yeah, usually we see Schalke try to apply that pressure a little bit higher up the pitch. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the opening in this game was uh, to me, it, it was just very clear that we were playing an opponent that was better than us. Yeah, it, I mean, what what I saw in the beginning was just like they're they're kind of doing whatever they want to do fairly easily, yeah. and this is just what happens when you're you're playing a team that ultimately is going to go into second place here with the kind of offensive firepower. I mean, after that first goal, even before that chick opportunity that you that you talked about, which was a mind blowing miss because it's a fantastic ball in, I think from Diaby. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, I mean, it, which by the way, Stambouli falls asleep on. Um, which is funny because he he actually like checks where Schick is and is trying to keep an eye on him, and then within two seconds he makes oh. the run behind it. And Stambouli is like, oh, you know, that's the thing we see from him every week. Um, he should have scored, but I mean, right after the goal that they did score within seconds, Leon Bailey gets in behind with a one on one, and I think honestly a player of Leon Bailey's caliber probably should have done better there. But like that could have been the two nil either. So I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it really is not. I mean, I, yeah, we we understand like you know the XG for for Leverkusen might not have been like four at the end of the first half. But in terms of the way that we typically view ch chances as like supporters easily could have been three or four goals from Labor. Yeah, I mean, they, they were getting whatever they wanted. Um, and I think the other thing is that speaks to what the commentators you were saying, Phil Bonnie and, and, and um, they kept mentioning how the approach is coming off as a little bit naive. Um, yeah. it, it's one thing to be like, Hey, you know, we're, we're trying to get things going here. We're, we're trying to instill a style of play and get a system going. But if that's just like you being way too open at the back and, 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 creating some of these open games, like maybe you do need to be a little bit more cynical, sit back and just try to play the counter game. I, I know that's not what any Schalke supporters want to see in terms of like the style of play week in, week out. It's not fun football to watch usually, especially if we're not going to be, um, you know, effective at the end of these counter checking opportunities. Yeah. But they, they repeatedly said throughout the match, like, I, I don't understand why Schalke is allowing this much space in behind, like this is going to get them relegated. So that, that was, that was interesting comments and something to consider potentially going forward as well. Yeah, when do, we, uh, when do we flick that switch? You know, exactly. And I remember hearing those comments, and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." I mean, they got they got the, they hit the nail on the head, and you know, it showed because Schalke really struggled to get the ball out of their own half really in the first 20 minutes. Uh, we had a couple of opportunities going forward, uh, mostly with Ramon and Uth, but really it was all you know Leverkusen in the, in the first 20 minutes, and then we saw the 20th minute. Uh, Schalke started turning on the pressure in Bayer's half. Um, that pressure that they, it was a team pressure that they that they had led to turnovers and mistakes by by Leverkusen and I'm wondering they gave up on it way too quickly they they did it for like a minute or two and then they stopped I'm like that was good pressure you're forcing them to make turnovers um yeah it's not sustainable for 90 minutes probably but you got to do more of that it was obviously working against Leverkusen they were giving them opportunities why did they stop and that's kind of why I, sometimes I had leaves me my head scratching with with Baum because I'm like that's how you should be doing it and then you stop I'm like. We, we had the same issue with when we had success with Wagner in the first half of last season in the Hinrunda. Um, we were we were pressing the team just like that, causing turnovers, and that's what led to all our goals. We were being opportunistic. We're not do, doing enough of that, I think. And uh, I don't know if it's because we're scared or what, but I thought those moments that we saw the, of the team press was effective. I don't know. Did you see that? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I guess one one possible suggestion for I mean what you're seeing is like. It, it's such an expensive way to play in terms of 
um, how, how physically Energy tax, and, taxing yeah. it is. And so for, for people to want to sustain that level of activity for 90 minutes, they, they can't be looking around and then seeing one of their teammates, maybe not applying that same level of effort, because if you're going to like, you know, be sprinting in some of these challenges um, and then somebody else is not going to put that effort in and it allows the whole thing to break down and you're wasting that effort. Um, you're going to look around and be like, then why am I even doing this? And that, and that right. might cause the entire thing to kind of like dip, you know, time after time. So I don't know. Um, I, I still think we've got a lot of running in, in this game. Um, and our, I think our running stats over the past couple of games are, are, are good, but I mean, I, I also yeah. think to some extent we overvalue that sometimes and it's just like, Oh, we're, we're running around. It's like, well, great. Well, you know, what, what is that actually accomplishing for us? So um, at this point, I'm not even like, you know, saying we need to be committed to like intense pressing all the time, which is what we've kind of tried to do over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, at, at times, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I want to do something <laughs> that's going to work and I don't know what it is. And if the buy-in isn't there, if it's inconsistent and we're not seeing it, you know, be effective, then I'm entirely open to switching it completely. You know? I think, I think the one time we've seen that successful uh, was in the Tedesco era against the Bayern, Bayern, I should say. Uh, where we pressed them for like 90 minutes and we we lost that game. It was it was a close game. Two 0 um, yeah, yeah, two 0 uh, But that was a good game. I thought we was one, we played better that game than they did for the most part. They they beat us in a couple uh, gut punches, but uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was effective in that. So I mean, not that we had the same horses we did back then. Obviously, the guys were much younger back then. But uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Um, I thought <laughs> I had a glimmer of hope in the 32nd minute that we tied the game up. Uh, a poor pass to Diaby out left. Uh, he ends up losing it. Skripsky gets the ball, immediately passes it across, uh, down the pitch to, to Mark Oot. Mark Oot holds it up, gives it to Bujalepu one time. He gets a goal. We're, we're back in his jack. No, flag is up. Flag is up. I was like, what the hell? And it was it was the right call. Oot was off. Uh, I don't know about yet. you, but I was excited. I thought that was a goal. That was a great, great play. Heads up, play it, it, it was a really nice finish from from Bujalep as well. Yes. Um, because it it's his first it's, goal. What well, it probably would have been. been, yeah, it would yeah, have. yeah. But it's it's a because it, when it, when it comes to him, it's not a ball that really gives him a lot of time to figure out what he wants to do with it. And, which and is he probably really, good, which is probably good. Might be, yeah. You, maybe you don't want too much too much time in these situations. Yeah, especially when the goals are as important as they are, it just kind of makes that 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 you know propensity to choke maybe a little bit higher. But um, yeah, he just he hits it kind of like a curler back post across across goal and, and just completely beats Radetzky. It was a really, really nice finish and uh really composed finish. I mean, it looked like he had been knocking those kind of things in all the time. Uh and yeah, yeah just to see the flag go up, um, brutal because uh, you know, at that point, as as outplayed as we had been overall in the number of opportunities that Leverkusen had missed. So, you know, it's a one-nil game. Yeah. Um, I mean, very much you know, in it, especially with how open and end-to-end it was at times. I mean, like, definitely the kind of game where if Schalke had, had nicked one, um, things could have changed very quickly. So, yeah, unfortunate. Who knows how it would have gone if we had if we had gotten that one in. Yeah, uh, it would have been – it could have changed the game. Also, if, you know, uh, uh, Rahman found uh, Ut in the beginning, it could have changed the game if they went up one – we went up one nothing. But uh, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, the, the, it would go into halftime by that same score on one nothing. Um, some things that I noticed for sure was – Defensively, we were not engaging. We were, we were letting them have too much of the ball, like kind of like what the announcers were talking about. Um, like we would be running with the ball carrier, but not really engaging them to try to stop them. We we're just like, okay, we're going to run with you, and like that's not going to do anything. Um, in particular, Mascarell and Serdar, and I, and I know you were talking about Serdar earlier. I noticed this in Mascarell as well. First half, he probably had a better first half than he did the second half. Uh, Mascarell did, but overall, I think Serdar was really bad both halves. Um, it, it just. You can't you, when you're when you're defending on a when you're defending the ball carrier. You can't just 
I mean, I get you want to run with him because you want to, you know, take the ball from him, but try to take the ball from him. Don't just, oh, I'm going to run with you. Okay. That doesn't do anything. Engage him. That's all I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, if, if you don't engage him, then, you know, Stan Bully might come flying out 30 yards and try to do it for you. Or come so, on. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, I mean that, that's that's the other positive is if you're doing that, yeah. it, might, it might actually let your center back sit back a little bit. Um, but jokes yeah. aside. Um, no, yeah, I understand what you mean. Uh, I, I didn't think Mascarell was particularly noteworthy in this one. Um, yeah, I, I, so I would probably agree with you. Um, and the, the, the shape that we're playing at the moment, when you're going to use like kind of like a double pivot, so to speak, and I, I don't think it necessarily is being played that way all the time, but just sort of in terms of the way that you're setting up, like that's not really where you want Suat Serdar, ideally. No. No. I don't think. Um, I, I, I would think that you'd want him elsewhere, but we're, we're playing um, sort of a system at the moment where there really is no central midfield occupation by anybody. Um, if anything, it's one of the strikers yeah. is dropping deeper into there. So maybe you play Suat Serdar up top with Mark Oot, and then have Serdar kind of drop into that. Maybe you could do that instead of playing like a Bujulib there or something. But um, I don't know. I think I think like for instance, I would I would rather see like Chan Bosduan where Serdar is, and then Serdar where like Bujulib is. Or I mean, you know what I mean? I I, I don't know. Um, tough. I, I it, think yeah. I, I think a good example is that, and it's not Schalke, but it's a former Schalke player, Weston McKinney. He's had a he's had a hell of a week for Juventus. Yeah, he is. Um, they've been playing him. He's been he's the midfielder, obviously, but they've been playing him. You know, up up top. He's been involved heavily on the crosses and attack and corners, uh, but he's also dropping back. And so that's exactly kind of like what you're talking about. Is like, you know, if you're not going to put him defensively, put him up top so then he can contribute offensively and then also help out defensively as well. And he he looked like something we wanted to see, you know, with his two goals this past week. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we, you know, our guys are not doing what they need to do at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's it's been difficult, like you said, in that midfield. It looks like at times we don't have a midfield. Um, a lot of sloppy giveaways in this game by. Everyone. I mean, I think everybody was guilty of a poor pass at some point or another. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, some people more than others, certainly. But um, and those kind of things happen at all areas of the pitch, which is why we struggle sometimes to 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 get any possession going is because when we turn the ball over, you need those one or two quick, you know, crisp passes to really launch something. And a lot of times those are those are not weighted properly or whatever. But um, yeah, especially in the final third in this one, just. There's people open. There's people making runs. People arriving late, you know, and and getting into decent areas, and we just could not find anybody consistently. And it's yeah, it's it's frustrating. I mean, it's one it's one thing if you're not creating those, but when they're there uh, constantly and they just never connect, it just it's like you're just like teasing the Schalke supporters a little bit. And it's I one, know. you know what I mean. It's it's one thing to just yeah. like be bad and they're not there in the first place. You can't yeah. kind of accept that, but you get your hopes up constantly. Yeah, and you know, you know, speaking of hopes, you know, our team did play better in that second half, and they didn't. As the second half was mo- f- far better than the first half. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about Michel Langer. He had a great penalty, our free kick save in the 51st minute. Uh, really well done there. Uh, but you know, we started turning up the tempo. 53rd minute, we had a three on two. Ramon leading again, again trying to square it off to Bujleb. Couldn't get it. The defender blocks it. Um, a few minutes after that, Ramon another great opportunity with a right footed shot, high and wide. So we were starting to get into the game. Looked like we were going to get a goal here any minute now. And then, you know, what, 67th minute, uh, Baumgartlinger uh, lets off a rocket that, you know, uh, Langer makes a great save on, forces a corner kick. Ensuing corner kick, uh, uh, Bailey kicks it in near post. Hoppy, or Hop, however you want to pronounce it, was, you know, guarding Baumgartlinger. And he just got out pushed out of the way. Header into the goal. Nothing can do. Boom, goals like that. Um yeah, it's, it's again the young players not being strong enough on the ball, and it was a 
glaring there. You saw Kabak was like furious at, at Matt when he when he got pushed out of the way there. Yeah, we got we got to get confirmation on the correct pronunciation of uh, Young Matthews name. This is turning into the new Nick uh, Nick. I thought, was hop, I thought it was Hop. I thought it was Hop, and then never I kept hearing Hop. Yeah. I'm yeah. seeing, yeah, I'm seeing. I was hearing Hoppy on the on the broadcast. I'm yeah. gonna go with Hoppa for the time being, still, which is probably wrong, but, um, yeah. I mean, he had just come on at that point for Buyula. Yeah. That that was a substitution, so that yeah. was a that was kind of a rude uh, introduction for him, and uh, not not a good not a good appearance overall, in my opinion. Um, couple giveaways from him, yellow card early. Uh, plus his goal, uh, maybe one for to forget for uh for for young Matthew, but um. Once again, like Ozan Kabak is another guy that's in there, but so that when, when that play's starting off, like it's it's, it's Matthew, it's his guy. yeah, yeah, it's both of them, and then for some reason, as Baumgartlinger like steps forward, Kabak just kind of like doesn't follow them, and it's a one on one, yeah, and it just seems like that kind of I don't I don't know, it just brutal defending, and Kabak's looking around like like what happened, and I'm like, well, you didn't really follow <laughs> me there, but yeah, but definitely a case of um somebody especially of of. Papa's size because he's a fairly tall, yeah. tall kid. Like, yeah, yeah, you would you would expect him to be able to put a little bit better of a challenge um, on, on that player. But you know, what are you yeah. going to do? But well, there they go. The se- second set piece goal, as we said, not the way that you want to be conceding to a team like Leverkusen. Not at all. Yeah, and uh, it looked like they almost like like Kabak and and Hoppe, uh planned that right because he just stops and then he picks him up automatically. What I would like to see is Kabak stay on him and maybe Matt Hop go onto the far post because when he got the header there, if someone was there, they might have had a chance of getting it. Um, and nobody was there. Someone was near post, but they weren't far post. And typically, yeah, the, you have both posts going on. You know, so. the, the play was like in slow motion in that regard. Like, it, like yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't. It was kind of like a flicked on loopy header, and yeah. it, it seemed like it was just in the air forever. And there's just no one at the back post to stop it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but it, I mean, it reminds me of the miscommunication that happened a few match days ago. I think it was uh, Nasasic and, and Malik Chow on, on a corner kick where it looks like kind of both of them were involved with the player. And then one of them just sort of abruptly steps off and, you know, they get kind of lost in the confusion, similar thing there. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the last thing a team like Schalke needs is to be conceding as many set piece goals as we are. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a killer. Like you cannot be conceding on, on corner kicks to this extent. Our, our set piece defense has been atrocious this season. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have the stats off the top of my head to see how we compare. I could be wrong about this, but just, I mean, the, the sense that I have from watching this is that we're probably ranked pretty near the bottom in that. And that's got, that's got to change immediately. Yeah, I, I I agree 100 about that. Uh, Joseph's in the chat. He says, uh, "Where'd you get Where'd you get the Schalke hats? I like them." There you go. Uh, Hammer und Schlagel. Look it up on Twitter or even Instagram. You know, Instagram you really see all the you know great great gear that this guy has. Uh, but definitely Hammer und Schlagel. So giving a shout out to them. Uh, yeah, you know it's we can be. You know we're already having enough issues as it is. Don't give people goals off set pieces. That's what's gonna kill us. You know, let make them beat us. Don't make them beat us off freaking set pieces. Make them tear us apart and you know cut through us because a lot of teams are capable of doing it. They've been doing it. So let them score that way. Um, I thought, and, yeah, and not, and not, not Baumgartlinger. I mean like make it nah, be like, no, yeah, Jonathan Ta or, or like shit getting up and, yeah. and you know, and, and going yeah. for the, not, not one of the, like, the shorter players that's just hanging out near post. It's way too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Shortly after that goal. I mean, immediately after that goal, it might've been off the kickoff. Uh, Ramon again on a two on one with Mark. Ut doesn't get the square pass off. Like, come on, dude. This is like the 17th time in the game or something that he's done that. It was infuriating, and especially because um, we we had an opportunity to uh, get another goal here just minutes after that. I mean, like I said, Chaka played better in the second half. Uh, they do they did draw a penalty. Uh, both Ut and Serdar were really you know fouled in, in the box there. They went for the first foul, which is Mark Ut. Um, Skripsky for some reason stands up, steps up to take it. Uh, he is stoned by Radeski, and uh, it was an easy save. It's this this is uh, Ramon. Uh, the rebound goes out. Ramon gets it, heads it. Good header, but Radeski saves that as well. 
Uh, Rodeski just has our numbers on penalty kicks. Yeah, he said last time we played them, he made a save on Kalajiri. Uh, but that was a poorly taken uh, penalty kick. I mean, good on Rodeski making the save, but I mean, why is Scripsy taking it? Why is yeah? So I mean, so what are your what are your thoughts on this? Because this has been a huge talking point on on Shaka Twitter. Obviously, like, how did you analyze that whole situation? The shot or the players taking the shot? Who took it? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know why. I don't know why he took it. It wasn't like he was having a great game or anything like that. I mean, if you're basing on on who's having a good game, I mean, Ramon was involved heavily. Did he do any great things at the end? No. Uh, Ut was certainly Ut was somebody certainly you want to have you know take it if you could. Uh, Mascarell as a, as a captain, uh, maybe Sarder, but Skripsky. I don't. I didn't understand why the decision was to for him to to get it. Um, maybe it's something in penalty and practices that we see that he's the best penalty kick kicker. We don't know. I don't know. But I thought it was a bad choice for me. I, it would probably be the fifth selection for me if I were to choose on that lineup of who's going to kick it. So the, yeah, the thing that was interesting to me was that um, it, it was it was Markut that grabbed the ball from Radetzky, but then he very quickly handed it off to Skripsky. So I don't know if it was preset that Skripsky was going to take it, and I don't know if there's been conversation in the media about this afterwards. I'm sure they may have answered this question, and I just missed it. Um, but like Marku didn't put up a big like that much of a fight. So there, there's I, I, it, I'm conflicted yeah, it about how to how to feel about this. On the one hand, from from the perspective of how I want the squad to be psychologically, I love that Skripsky is confident and wants to take it. Like I want. Skripsky to want to take it. I yeah. just don't want him to actually take it. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Like, so I love that from him. Although I was simultaneously horrified that he was being allowed to do this. I mean, like somebody of, of, of Mark set piece caliber generally, you would think, and also somebody who's kind of like stepped into a leadership role, which we've been commending repeatedly because there's such a dearth of that at the moment. Like, yeah, I would have expected him to do that. And I would have wanted him to do that. Um, and how easily he gave that up to me is almost a problem on his on his part, unless this had been like preordained. But yeah, Skripsky not the guy, and then it was it wasn't a good shot. Um, it's yeah. Sorry, go, go, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I agree. No. I agree with that. I was going to say I have a theory that maybe why Skripsky taking. Now I'm thinking about you were talking about all this. You know, Mark Ut has certainly been one of the best players, if not the best player on the team outside of Renault this season, um, and so he doesn't need any extra kick to get into gear, get his game in gear. Him as trying to be like the leader on the team, trying to get other people involved. Maybe Ramon is obviously coming on lately, so maybe he's like, "Hey, if I get Skripsky a goal, maybe his confidence will go up, and maybe he'll get a goal. Who knows?" Yeah, because right. he seems seems like that kind of player. Like you know, I'm already doing good. Let's get some other guys involved, get their confidence going. You know, I would have rather had Serdar there, maybe if you want to choose people. But yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, it's just I, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just for me, it's just it's such a critical moment of the match that that's when you do need you know the, two one. It would have been two to one at that point. The leader to really do it. Also, you know, to Matthew Hoppe's credit. He w- he walked over to Uth and he seemed like he was interested in taking it as well because he, he had a word in his ears too. So I mean, like I would love to see that if he scored. Well, I mean, like once again, I don't know if I really want him taking that either. But I love the confidence from both of those players, and that's at least the right attitude. You don't want players with how you know the situation the club's in and how important this goal could have been to be shrinking away from that moment, and no one wants to be the one to like potentially miss it. Um, so credit for him for stepping up and doing it. But yeah, it's unfortunately it's just not a good penalty. I, I talk about this a lot, but like I kind of view penalties. Um, I kind of divided into like five vertical zones where there's yeah. like a zone on either post, a zone centrally, and then like two like no man's land zones. And to me, you never want to hit it into that like middle no man's land zone. Unless you get the goalkeeper going the wrong way, that's a very difficult area to score because that's usually exactly where the keeper ends up being. Yeah. It's got to be central. It's got to be, you know, in the corner. It's got to be up high somewhere. So when you hit that sort of like low middle ground 
no man's land shot. It's it's the worst possible place to place it. So, um, you know, decent decent pace on it, but ultimately the placement's not there, and it's uh it's you know it's a huge thing wasted, and it's it's another one of those like gut punches to the psychology. It's like, you know, we we have a goal called back right for offsides. We get a penalty, and then it gets saved, and then it's a double save because Benito Ramon can't can't follow it up. It's just like yeah. you know, like what do we got to do to get a goal in? So just worst case scenario in terms of yeah. what could have happened to break the spirit of the team there. I feel like, and I want someone to find this statistic, and I can't, I don't have it in front of me, but I feel like no one's missed more penalties this season, probably the last couple seasons than us. I feel like we're in double digits or something. It seems like, I know we've missed more than we made. I can tell you that. That's what it feels like, at least. I need yeah, to find it, a statistic, but it's... Well, I mean, this is what's funny, though, is like, who who have been some of our better penalty tickles? Daniel Caligiuri? Gone. Nassim, I mean, sorry, not Nassim Bouyaleb. I'm sorry, <laughs> Nabil Bentaleb. Uh, same first and last initial apologies. Sort of gone, sort of gone. But Bentaleb, like, you know, for a while there, I think he had made like like 10 or 11 penalties in a row. We called him Bentaleb for a reason, right? Exactly. I mean, like, but he's not in the squad either. So, you know, some of the guys that you would typically rely on on set pieces are just not there. And so that that's why, like, given how good Marco has been on these, you just like him to just be like, no, this is mine. I'm taking this. I'm putting <laughs> this away. Everyone get away from me. Yeah. But, I would have liked to see Naldo yeah. step up or something to take that penalty too, but you know, <laughs> Dude, love a good Naldo. Point, pen. <laughs> Haven't had a good Naldo pen in a while. Just blast it, you know, from thirty blast yards. It to the it is. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> that goal or that lack of goal, I should say, the save ended up coming back to hurt us because it could have been two one at that point. But just minutes later, uh, Skripsky, who was having a bad game at the whole, you know, not just that missed penalty, but he was having a bad game. I thought, yeah, uh, had the ball taken away from him at, at center pitch, it leads to a very quick counter. Amiri, you know, with a beautiful throw pass to Schick. Schick didn't even touch it. He just one-timed it into the back of the net. All she wrote. Um, yeah, three nothing at that point. We did see we did see an appearance of Hamzo Menda in this game. Uh, and the bits that we did see him, he came on at three nothing, but um he had good pace down the left hand side. I thought he did some good things out there. And and if for me, I would want to see Ochipka take a break and put in Hamza Mendel, see what he can do for a full 90. Because we need pace. Ochipka's great at set pieces, but he doesn't have that pace. He can't beat anybody. Uh, give Mendel a try. I, I, there it is. I, I finally came around and said, I want to see Mendel full-time for at least a couple of games. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I, we, and we've said that on a number of episodes so far. Is, you know, he, he went out on a loan. He had a better loan spell than he did when he was actually in a Schalke kit. Yep. Came back into the squad. We, we need the depth there. Surprised that we just haven't seen him yet. I don't know what's going on with that. But, um, uh, yeah, definitely not opposed to it. And, uh, I mean, especially just for the sake of you've seen how many minutes that Ochuk has been playing, how many minutes Ludwig has been playing. Yeah. Um, and clearly there's an interest in Manuel Baum in terms of rotating that. That's why you've been seeing Malik Chow slide out to either side. Yeah, work, work Mendel in occasionally. You know, see what he can do. Um, and maybe even, you know, you can play with the formations and, and potentially get him on the pitch in a different area as well if you want to, you know. We'll see. Um, as for the uh, the shit goal, um, the shit goal or the shit goal? <laughs> well, I mean, either one, really. Yeah. I mean, it's accurate. I mean, this this is this is the kind of goal. This is the kind of goal when you see this, you're like, oh, we're in trouble. Yep. Like we're immediately, we're, immediately, we're we're in trouble. I mean, like, yeah, the set piece goals, they're not good. They're not ideal. Um, but you know, it's th- those kind of things can happen. This play, Kabak had kind of like stepped out to ball pressure. So maybe he had, maybe he had like made a pass even before we lost it or something, but Kabak had kind of stepped out. So if you, if you look at the replay, what you'll see is you'll see Malik Chow's outright Mascarell had slotted back into Kabak's central center back position. And then there's Stan Bully there as well. So it's kind of a back three. Um, Patrick Schick is sort of behind everybody, not getting back on side and like just Mascarell in, in, in uh, Stambouli as well. Just no idea where this guy is. 
Nope. And, and uh, so Kabak, once again, Kabak's out of position. And once this ball gets turned over, um, shit gets back outside. And, and Mascarell has not like checked or looked for him or anything. And he just runs right in behind and scores super easily. And there's there's no defensive effort. And and Kabak is 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 furious. And um, it's like on the one hand you could be like, cool, you're out of you're out of position. But on the second hand, I can't be angry because like Mascarell literally slotted back there to cover that. And then just like your head is in the clouds. Like it, and this is the kind of thing that's happening way too often is we're just losing runners. Yeah. And when you see goals like that, that that is that is non-existent defending. Yeah. That it's kind of thing cannot happen. Very similar to that goal that uh, it was Halan who scored that against Nastachis, and he watching him run for 20 yards and didn't Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, there's been there's been a number of these this season. It's just it's just, you know, it, if you know if, if you defend it and you get beat because the guy just takes a good angle and there's a good ball or he's faster, that's one thing. It's just, but yeah, I mean, it, the Patrick Schick goal that we talked about earlier. I mean, Patrick Schick was like very wasteful in this game and still ended up getting his goal. Yeah, but he kept popping up in dangerous areas. And that one we talked about in the first half is another one where just Stan Bowley just lost him and didn't follow the run. And this this happens way too often. So yeah, it's goals like that we are just like that. That's such a level of of like just non-existent defending. That it's troublesome. It's not even bad defending. It's just we're not even like attempting to stop it. And and I and I don't remember. I think it was last press conference. I think maybe before this game uh, where Baum was saying like you know guys our defensive guys keep pushing up like Kabak and, and it's not bully often do where they they push up and they're out of position when they lose the ball and you know there's no defensive coverage. It's like yeah, but you know in certain situations like there is coverage like Mascarell like you're mentioning and they're just not doing anything with it. Like you said, they're not checking their guys or anything, letting people just free run in there and get a goal. So. Defensively, seems to be the issue still. I mean, we're, we're we have some glimmer of hope in, in certain areas of the pitch, but defensively, it's still being difficult. We can't give up. We haven't had a shutout in a long, to- long ass time. It's been over. It feels like a year. I, we said this that last game. I can't remember now, but our last podcast. But uh, it's been a long ass time. So, um, yeah. And then to make it matters worse, uh, after the game, uh, <laughs> obviously Leverkusen are excited. They won the game, right? And then they put out this tweet, and it says. Uh, I'll translate it for you. It says thanks to Tiao, Baumi, Patrick, and Nicolas. Uh, we're taking us three points with home, uh, taking us three home, three points home with us today. So they basically thanked Malik Tiao for that, uh, and many people who are upset by that tweet. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen, to their credit, they did come back and uh, they did apologize. And they came back and said, you know, hey, admittedly that was a stupid tweet. It's not our not our intention to embarrass or disrespect a player from the opposition team. We apologize to Malik Tiao and Schalke. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that 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 play or that that those tweets uh, tweet certainly raised some eyebrows uh, around. Uh, did you take offense to that? Uh, I want you know for those in the chat, it, were you offended by that tweet by Leverkusen? Let us know in the chat. Uh, Jack, what about you? What did you make of that that whole tweet situation? Not really, because I didn't interpret it as like intentionally malicious. I think I think it was just not thought out well. With like saying you know like banter is one thing, but like you know. This is, a, this is a young kid who's sliding in to try to do a job for a team that is just in a brutal run of form and maybe going to get relegated and yeah. being like, you know, like, you know, he helped us get the win today is just a little bit. It's just like not necessary. But I don't really think that's that's what they were trying to do with that tweet. Yeah. Um, at least I, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I, I just didn't think about it. So it definitely raised an eyebrow and I saw the conversation, people getting upset about it. And I'm glad they apologized for it. That was that was the classy thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't furious about it. I'll, the one thing I was surprised is, well, Leverkusen's uh, English site is usually really funny, and they're usually on top of this kind of stuff. I thought it would have been them when I first saw the tweet, and then I realized, oh, no, this is their actually main account that's saying it, and it was in German. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's odd to me. I'm like, okay, maybe the English it's, account would have never done that. <laughs> it's, it's actually funny that you mention it because I, I actually sent the tweet 
uh, to a to a private Twitter chat that I'm in, and I just for even though the tweet was in German, I just like because of what it said, I just it wasn't even I thought it was the English account, like like the, you me know, too. The, me yeah too. yeah. So I, again, like yeah, obviously, and, and that 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 account has is 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 notable for a number of reasons. So I was actually it wasn't it was a, it was the actual German like official account, which was kind of funny that it yeah. came from that one, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hope. I mean, hopefully, uh, Malik Chow himself like didn't see it or didn't take offense to it or anything. I don't want. I mean, yeah, it's, he made a mistake in the game, but I don't want him, you know, feeling as though the reason we lost is entirely his fault or something like that. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of fingers to point. I think in every single one of these games, um, and I don't feel comfortable singling out any any one person yeah. on our team. You know, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, looking ahead, we well, obviously we've played uh, a hell of a schedule so far. Like we mentioned earlier, top seven of the league, we've played them all. So that means there's still teams on the bottom that we haven't played yet. We need to play. Um, before we get into the who's coming up, um, I do want to get into uh, a little bit of news that we got. It's a much quieter week in the news department than it was last week or the last couple of weeks, I should say. Uh, Amin Harit, uh, the guy who was suspended from and told to train alone, is back in training with the team as of, I think, today. Today or yesterday. Um, good news, right? I mean, we that's another – It's a. he apparently he had a conversation with, with Baum and they're on the same page and he's going to work hard and play for the club, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you want him back? And then can he help us? He has been very poor this season overall. What are your thoughts? I, I don't know how to feel anymore, dude. I, I have no idea how yeah. to feel about this player and the way this has been handled. Um, this, this is now the second time that he's been suspended and then reintegrated into the team for disciplinary issues. Um, I mean, th- th- this seems to just be kind of like a carousel of silliness, in my opinion, to some extent. Like, either either Harit is not professional and is consistently demonstrating that he's not professional and we need to move on from him and sell him immediately, or he's fine and we need to stop suspending him. Like, like I just, this is one of those things where after a while, I just don't think you can live in this like middle ground. Where he's in, a, he's in the squad. He's out of the squad. We give him a second chance. We get whatever. I, I don't know. It goes without saying that every Schalke supporter ideally would love to see Harit in the squad because at his best, he's arguably our best player. Yeah, he can make things happen on the pitch that really no one else can make happen. So yeah, I would love to him have him back in the lineup doing those kind of things, playing at that level. Hasn't showed that he's going to be playing at that level anytime recently. Really, not since like the first half of last season. Um, it's been like a year since we saw like some good Harit performances. And then also there's been like the effort question. So I'm not overly excited about it. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to try to be as optimistic as possible and, and say like, you know, I hope it works out and that we don't really have to talk about Harit in a negative sense at any point from here on out, this should be the last that we have to discuss it on this podcast for this season. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you because I, I don't know what, what to feel about it. I mean, if Baum decides, because it's ultimately Baum's decision, right? If he decides to put him on the, in the starting 11, prove it to us. Prove it to us that you've changed. You're you're going to play for the club and, and play better. Play, if he's going to play better, then hell yeah, put him on the damn pitch. But if he's going to continue playing the way he played before, I'd rather keep the younger guys in there, give them an opportunity. I, I want to see more of Chan Bazuan for sure. Bujalab had some good moments with Mark Ut in this game, I thought, there. They're 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 back and forth, and also with Ramon was was there. So I thought I kept saying, and you know, in the first half, like you started seeing the, the three of them hooking up, and chances more and more and more chances coming. So you want to see more of Bujalab as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know whose place. He's not going to take Ramon's place because I think Ramon's doing enough to stay on the pitch, and it's going to be in that midfield, I think. But it's going to be more in a high role. Obviously, it might go back to a four-one-four-one, which may be benefit beneficial to us. Who knows? Uh, but I don't know. 
Uh, and, you know, I brought that up because we got, you know, three teams ahead that as hard as the games were we played so far, we have some winnable games. Augsburg, Freiburg, and Bielefeld, all of them in the bottom half of the table. I think all of them 15 or worse, or I should say, you know, 14 or worse. Um, are you optimistic? This is also a question for the chat, the group, uh, people in the chat. Are you optimistic heading to these three games? Uh, with those three games and with Harid back, do you think we have a, a reason to have, have hope that we can? I mean, there's still plenty of time in the season left to turn this around. The, the commentators mentioned that over and over again. But do you feel optimistic considering how everything's going? No, I, I don't feel I don't feel optimistic um, in the sense that I think that we've seen enough to be optimistic. I don't think we have. Um, yeah. I'm, but I'm not fatalistic, and, and I'm not I'm not resigned to any sort of particular fate as as you say said just now and as we've mentioned a couple of times like it is far too early in the season for us to be mathematically worried about any any sort of relegation issue um now obviously we're bottom of the table and if we continue to be bottom of the table at some point we're going to have to have that conversation i don't think we need to have that conversation now i don't think it's a helpful conversation um to have now but that doesn't necessarily mean i'm optimistic because the performances just still haven't been there but what i will say is this is the crucial part of the schedule that the first five games were crucial for a different reason to see kind of like what the tone was going to be for this season, what was going to happen to David Wagner, right? Mm. This now stretch of the last few games before the winter pause to me is, is probably the second most important stretch of the season so far. If, if we, as I said last week and probably the week before that, if we arrive at the winter pause after some of these opponents like Bielefeld and, you know, some of these, some of these teams and we still don't have a win on the board, that to me is going to be a major cause for concern. So I'm just kind of in wait and see mode. I'm, I'm not optimistic, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not freaking out. But this is kind of like time to show up and time to do something. This this is, happens has to happen now. It's right now. What are we like? Twenty five games now. We're getting closer yeah. to that magic mark. Uh, yeah. On magic mark, whatever you want to call it. Uh, dog in the chat says, uh, "I want to be optimistic, but the sad part is that we're below all these teams that are fourteen or lower." I mean, it's true, yeah, but I mean, if we're going to beat anyone in the league, it's got to be these teams. It has to be these teams. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult. It's, it's so hard to beat the teams at the top. So when the teams at the bottom that are closer to your level, you have to take advantage of that. Hundred um, percent. I'm optimistic. Uh, we've seen it, it, the the main thing for me, and like it's a lot to your point is defensively, we need to figure this out. We need to we need to shore it up because if we can't stop the goals, we're not going to win anything. We're not going to outscore anybody. We can hardly score as it is. So if we can keep a low-scoring game, zero or one goal, we have a chance. I, I, I believe in the offense enough and the midfield enough that they can, with these these teams who have a couple up, up ahead on the horizon, that we have a chance to do something. And I don't want to see a draw. I want to see some damn wins. If we get a, if we get a win against Augsburg, that could really change. A win would change something, I would think. It would give us confidence. And we need to get as much confidence as we can before we play Byron again in, you know, at the start of the Rook Runda. Um, so I am optimistic, but like you said, it's it's hard. We've seen, we know what we're looking at. We know what we're going to get. Can the defense uh, stop anything? And that goes to the conversation we were having earlier. Just at, at what point do you flick that switch and go, like, we're going to start playing super negative? Um, no one wants to see that. And I also don't think it's going to really help the buy in for the players because that's not a fun way for them to play either. That's how we played um, in the Rook Runda last year, right? We just, Kind of, yeah, exactly. But it, it's just kind of like, you know, you, you, it is a good something to think about is like, are we being too naive and saying, you know, we keep trotting out every week trying to make this thing work. And we're consistently seeing that, it, that it's not working. We're getting punished for stupid mistakes. Do we just need to shut it down and say, you know, two banks of four super tight in the box, hit them on the counter, that kind of stuff. Go Robbie, go tactics, put him back in the lineup, see what can happen. I mean, yeah, like I, I don't want to see that, but it's a, it's something to think about, and it's a fair point because 
it's not sustainable. Um, it really isn't. And like th this goal difference thing has to get turned around because if we, I mean, if we do end up in this kind of spot coming into the season, I mean, this is going to be a massive, massive factor. And so and we still got to play Bayern and Le and Leipzig one more time. They both put exactly. up five, eight goals on us. Exactly. Like, if, if we're going to keep losing, okay, whatever, but we can't keep losing by three, four goals a game. We just can't, can't do it. Can't no. do it. Can't ship that no. many. Absolutely not. Joseph says he's not optimistic. It's just like, whatever happens, happens. And like, yeah, it's, it's getting there, but I still got a little bit of hope in here. A little bit of hope left, Jack. Um, like, yeah, you can have hope without being optimistic. That's true. That is very true. I, I don't. I don't think that's a contradiction. That's kind of where I am at the moment. Yeah. Like, like, I'm not. I'm not resigned, but I'm just. I'm not necessarily expecting anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, off to listener questions. Just a couple here before we wrap this up. Um, first, our friend from uh, on Twitter, Robbie says, uh, how, "Well, how did practice focus like tactics, defensive schemes change from Wagner to Bomb?" Uh, not really sure. Uh, we're not there day to day, Jack. So I'm not exactly sure. I've seen some stuff um, where uh, the the main thing, the main difference for me has been mentalities. It was trying to get in the guy's head. Is we need to start thinking positively because we've been such a negative state. Not wonder Wagner. We're losing. We're still losing. But it was the play was just non-existent. Now there's some kind of semblance of of a team there. So I think that's been the main takeaway there is is trying to get them in their head that their positivity. I think positivity has been the main change. In terms of tactics, day to day, I mean, we're not there, so I, I, I don't know. Unless you've seen something, Jack. I mean, yeah, I'm in a cabin in the middle of the woods in North Wisconsin <laughs> right now, so I, I don't, I don't exactly know what's going on, like drill by drill in practice sessions over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I think from what we've been seeing, there's been a lot of work, as, as you said, like you know, there's been a lot of emphasis on mentality being placed and trying to build the psychology of the team back up, and you know, after a loss like this. It you know it's it's a it's a like another cycle of of Manuel Baum over the next couple of days trying to get them to believe that they can achieve a result and it's just kind of like they have to build it up like week at, week after week there, there's never any like yeah. momentum that you can build on because you just keep getting reset back to that initial point so yeah um, yeah but as far as like specific tactical things or, or drills I, I mean I have no idea. Uh, the last part of his question was saying something more like to the extent of, uh, you know, what the difference in the team, what, what can we change in the team, you know, management hierarchy? Um, what can we do to implement at Schalke to make it you know, more successful? Um, obviously having people to know what they're doing and trust what they're doing, um, and buying to the system. So like, you know, with the, with the manager, you know, we need to get the players to make sure they're buying in and if they're buying in and, and being optimistic, um, I think we need some luck overall. I think it's what we need some luck. We've, we've missed so many opportunities. Like you mentioned, goals taken away, penalty misses, uh, VAR against us. I mean, everything that's been that any kind of luck that we could have had has been all against us. I can't think of one call that's been our way outside of, Oh, you got a penalty, but we still miss those penalties. I'm like, we need luck to go our way. That's what we need. That's what we need to change. I think baby yeah. steps. I, I would agree with that to some extent, but I, I mean, I also think you just need like, you just need a little bit of quality. Yeah, at, at, at some point, but it's um, hard when you're in debt. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, Manuel Baum keeps coming out after every game and being like, you know, we're we're, we're running really well, we're working our butts off, and we're just not getting anything for it, and it, that's frustrating. And uh, I, I agree with that to some extent, but you mean, yeah, just working hard um, isn't necessarily going to get you. I mean, it's important, and it's something that like we criticize when we see the team not not putting in that shift. But I mean, yeah, you you have to also be good at some point uh to put it to put it simply and yeah just i mean the kind the number of misplaced passes that we saw against Leverkusen and that sort of thing um that's just not not enough quality like you just have to be you have to be better than that you can't win games playing 
playing that kind of way. So yeah, luck luck is one thing, but sometimes you got to make your own luck by at least making that extra pass, completing that thing, letting the opportunity come. I mean, like we had several shots that could have been there that would have been high percentage opportunities. Yeah. Something could have happened on one of those, and it's our fault for not getting those off, you know? I think when you go back to that coal miner mentality with some of the stuff you mentioned, you know, going uh, the one thing you you see glaring is those 50-50 chances that we don't go after. Occasionally you see players like uh, Mascarell or Ramon. Ramon's been really good about back-checking and, and getting that ball back. But you don't see that enough where, the, where it's 50 50, anybody could get it, and our guards are not diving in to go get it. They're not putting their heart and soul into it. I'm uh, not getting penalties or yellow cards trying to go after it and missing it. Uh, we want to see more of that. I think that'll appeal to the fans. If you're if you're playing, if you're play, giving your heart out, you're trying as hard as you can, um, that's what fans want. I mean, the good, the, the, the fortune will come if you do that. If you continue to play hard and, and put your, your, your blood, sweat, and tears on that sleeve, the results will start to come there. Um, but. Uh, it, we're, we're a long way from there at this moment, unfortunately, and it's um, need to find a way to get back to that. I don't know. So, um, Glenn, uh, Glenn on Twitter says uh, the next seven match days is the real season for us. Uh, and yeah, we could we could say that because we talked about early in the season how the first five games was really not. We can't. We have to ignore that. We have to go. The season starts after that, and this really next seven days is a crucial point for us. Um, and really, you can say the next fourteen days really, uh, it's really crucial for us, especially these teams that are, we are. We, we definitely have a, a chance to get wins all against them. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. It's what I said earlier is, you know, the, that that initial stretch in the season was, like I said, important to figure out what the what we were going to look like, right? Um, yeah. And it kind of set the tone for the campaign. And unfortunately, it was basically worst case scenario. But um, yeah, this is the other one now. The, the opponents are, are not the, the, you know, the, the top tier opponents that we're going to be facing in, the, in this upcoming run of games. Um you know, if there's ever an opponent that you want to have on the schedule, it's it's some of these guys at the moment and uh, just got to find a way to take advantage of them. And, uh, yeah, it's going to become increasingly difficult to, to stay positive um, if if we're, you know, sitting in, in the, you know, the dead of winter and the winter pausa and still looking at a team that has zero wins. So I just I, I hope I hope for their own. And the, the pressure is only going to increase on them, too. Especially as get closer to 31, too. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I hope for their sake they find a way to do it because at some point it's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if we keep losing like this. So, yeah, this, this is got to have it. Got to find a way to do it. And to your point, uh, Doug says uh, there's no points for trying. You're right. You know, we need to find yeah. ways to get a win. So, yeah, we, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with you. And I think, I think like the coal miner mentality and the effort thing is something that Schalke fans all care about, but like, it's not enough, right? And it, it's, yeah. it's it's easy to say that. I'm not, I'm not like calling you out or anything like that. I, I agree with you. It's just like <laughs> it's, it's it's easy to say that, but at some point you just like it's not enough. Like you just need to like execute and like have some fucking quality on the pitch. Sorry, I swear. Um, and it's just like you know Fuck too it. many too too many moments in this game. It's like it's kind of there, and a better team or, or, or a more informed player would make that opportunity turn into like an actual, actual chance. And we were just kind of like one step away from some of these things being actual chances. And that's, that's kind of like the next step for me offensively yeah. is um, just our composure and some of our decision-making in the final third. But I agree. Know, I we'll agree. See. I was getting ready to read a question by Paul Forrester. And then he jumps on, on our chat group and he says, I'm up. I'm optimistic. The goals will come. The victories will come. Keep fighting. Blue Kauf. Uh, All right, Paul. Let's go, Paul. His ears must be burning because his question was on Facebook: Will our upcoming run of games against the teams on the bottom half of the table lift us out of relegation? And I um, hope so. I agree. I hope so. I mean, if if there's any opportunity that we're going to get out of the relegation zone, this is it. We need to uh, find a way to get three points from each of these games. Now, I'm not going to say nine points is the, we have to do that, but we need to see at least a win out of this group, at least one win. I want three, obviously, but. Um, hopefully it gets us out of relegation. So we're only, what, two yeah. two points out now? I think Mainz are still losing. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, everyone at the bottom is losing. Uh, but yeah, so we're still in striking distance. I mean, we get if we get imagine if we get three three, three straight wins, we're in the middle of the table all of a sudden, yeah. you know. So I mean that that's that's what we've been saying. The the math on the bottom of the table is such that in the space of just a couple weeks, this could change dramatically. Um, yeah, this is not a mathematical issue at this point. We still have plenty of time to string some wins together, string some results together, and turn this thing around. Um, but we need to have we need to have that happen because we can't just keep saying that forever. At some point, we actually need to <laughs> so. Um, well, yeah, stay in the fight the Liga. That's right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, trying to pull up the table real quick. Just going to confirm. Okay, so yeah, we get nine points. We're at twelve points. At twelve, yeah, twelve points. We're sitting in tenth place. So I'd r- I'd much rather go headed to bo- heading into the rematch against Bayern in twelfth place than in last place because you know they're going to go and try to put up another eight, eight, eight goals. 12, twelve points at this point would put us in tenth. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, obviously that's assuming that everyone else above us doesn't win a game, but like. Yeah, but, right, right. Yeah, but I mean, that, that's exactly. I mean, I didn't. I didn't even realize it was that favorable. That, that's the thing. Yeah. We're talking about three, three quick results, and suddenly you're in a mid-table position. Hoffenheim yeah. and Augsburg are both on twelve points, and they're in tenth and eleventh. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, they could be at you know, they could be at twenty by the time this finishes. Who knows? But yeah, but the, the point, the point still stands. I mean, I mean, like you know, um, the gap at the bottom is not that sizable. It is in terms of goal difference. It's not in terms of actual um, points earned at this point. So, uh, yeah. Let's, yeah. uh, dear Lord, please. That's all I can say. That's right. Please, baby Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, before we wrap this up, Shaka newsletter, uh, make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Just, uh, enter your email address and you're gonna get the monthly, uh, you're gonna get out and get, uh, important information about the club, but you also get the latest on the local fan clubs across North America and even our own podcast. And I think there was a, a shout out to, uh, st louis club i think on the last most recent uh, um update so yeah definitely check that out uh, for sure um jack uh, anything else before we close this out no i mean you, you know i love anything st louis amsterdam tavern and the whole saga that's had on the podcast so um, hopefully hopefully the uh the pandemic dies down and i can get back down there for a game at some point that's right absolutely keep tuning in each week as we will bring the latest from the royal blues uh we want to thank the club and uh, all the followers for providing us tidbits for our podcast today thank you for all the questions you have you've been giving us it's uh definitely awesome stuff to uh interact with um if there are any topics or uh anything you would like us to discuss uh let us know at shock america on twitter or instagram or facebook um jack uh you want to give a shout out to nbc4 nashville or anyone should we? I mean, I, I, I think we should keep doing it until the winter piles, and then we can then we can re you know reevaluate. Find someone else. Find yeah. someone else. It does feel like a one sided relationship. Um, it does. It does. Yeah. I like Shelka. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no comment on that. No comment. Uh, on. They're not giving us wins. They're not giving us wins, Jack. Yeah. We put our heart and soul, and they're not giving us wins. But they are giving us content. They are giving us content. Plenty, plenty of content. Plenty content. of content. Content kings, honestly. Content kings. I content like is king, and Shalka are the content kings. So there you go. Boom, Jack. Where can our followers find you on social media? At J M Mangan, J M M A N G A N, right there on the screen. If you're watching the live stream on YouTube, absolutely on Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n. Uh, for those uh, obviously those watching, hopefully you're subscribed. If you're listening, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and all that good stuff. Uh, you can follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n on Twitter and anywhere else. Uh, until the next podcast comes, my friends, stay ready. I will be with you soon. Shoes. Mm-hmm.